Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Closed on some land, six and a half acres here in town. We're in the process of working through that. And so we want to encourage you, we've got a strategic plan of going after and establishing uh, what God wants to do next in this region and in this area. And it's, it's all made possible by your agreement. You know, when you're talking about investment, when you're talking about giving and tithe, it actually requires agreement. Let me hear you say agreement. What's agreement? Saying I agree with what the Lord's doing in that place. When I sow a seed into the ground, I'm coming to agreement that the seed contains life in it. And when I bury it in the ground, when I water it, when I sow it, I come into agreement with the Lord's purpose and plan for that seed to actually come out, sprout, become a plant, and to produce fruit and to produce more seed. And so that's really what we're talking about is continue to, pr- to agree with us in prayer. Continue to agree with us in your service and volunteering. That's good. Continue to agree with us in your giving. And we know that we're going to go to another level. Um, that way we can really look at a two to three year max process. We actually, that's more the natural time frame. Um, we've got words that will be in there sooner than that. So we're just going to believe God's going to supernaturally move some stuff. How many people know that God can do that? Right? Yeah. Suddenly God. You're all here because of a suddenly God moment. Uh, I was thinking about that when I was writing my year-end uh, letter. I'm going to send an email letter this week. Is that for 400 years, people thought that God had gone silent. And then suddenly, Jesus was born in a voice of a baby, a cry of a baby in a manger. Broke the silence. Now, I don't personally think God was actually silent. We just don't see scripture that was written. I believe he continued. He always found people who were looking forward to knowing him, to seeing him right, to engage face-to-face in relationship, just like he did with David, just like he did with Moses, just like he did with Abraham. He was always looking for people that he could actually have a face-to-face agreement. It was just the world at large had not heard the voice of God until suddenly a baby came. And what I do is I want to remind you is he's not a baby in a manger anymore. The voice that's going to be lifted up is not the cry of a baby, but actually the roar of a lion. I had a dream last night. Um, shoot, it just hits me again. If you've seen, um, so my mind just went, uh, C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Aslan, there's a scene where this little mouse who had a lot of bravery, he was a for, uh, sword-fighting mouse, and he just really had a hard time believing that Aslan was real, Aslan being actually the Lion of Judah, the, the imagery that C.S. Lewis used. And, uh, and it's this end of the scene, wherever the mouse has his, his uh, tail cut off, and he realizes there's a real lion, and, and he comes up, and it's almost like Peter denying him three times, and all of a sudden, he comes to this realization where God restores him. And, and Aslan comes up to him, and he restores his tail, and he just goes up to his, was it, his, it, was it the mouse or was it the dwarf? Maybe it was the dwarf. And he just goes into his face and goes, you know, his hair's blowing back and stuff. Do you believe me now? What I really felt like this morning, this, or last night in this dream, the Lord said, I'm going to roar in the faces of the world. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to come in some of these principalities that have felt like they, can, they could build themselves up, the knowledge of who I am. I'm about to come and look them in the face and roar. And, 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 the, and the enemy trembles. Do you understand that? The demons believe that Jesus is king and they tremble. They just don't come into alignment. They don't agree with him. They don't give the hearts to them. And the Lord says, if the enemy will tremble at my voice, what should my people do? 
Celebrate. It's time for us to celebrate. It's time for us to have a testimony. It's time for us to have expectancy. What I want to talk to you about this morning is expectancy and communion. That when we come into alignment with who Jesus is, there should be a level of expectancy. And I remember early on in my faith, I had a real orphan mindset in the way that I approached God. And I I had this thought was, how could I ever expect anything from God? It would be the height of arrogance. It would be prideful for me to come to God expecting that he would give me something, he would do something. And I remember when I became a son in the kingdom and began to understand what this was, he, he showed me that this is the way you used to think. And he says, that was actually prideful and arrogant. Because I've actually said, you are my son. If you ask for anything in my name, you should what? Expect. How are we going to see the world transformed unless his people actually expect that God is going to move powerfully? How will the people of the world who have no hope, who are covered in darkness, suddenly come into the message of light and hope? When they see you, they should see the message of expectancy. They should see the message of hope. Hope being the confident expectation of who God is. We're called to live in hope. A person who lives expectantly puts themselves in position to receive God's provision. A person who lives with expectancy puts themselves in position to receive God's provision, His purposes, His plans, the benefits of salvation when we live with expectancy. Um, I played basketball, I love sports. Um, it's been hard to be a Cowboys fan lately because it's been like a little bit bipolar up and down, you know, in and out when I show what's going to happen. But all I remember is yesterday seeing T.Y. Hilton, who just got signed. He's a wide receiver. He was an old guy. He's only 33, but in the NFL, that's old. And he caught a 52-yard pass from Dak Prescott, and it's kind of what helped him get back into the game. And the Lord began to show me, he says, this is where my people are at. If they don't understand that I'm trying to go long game, that I'm trying to move you down the field, that I'm trying to get you down to a place of expectancy. Because see, what expectancy is, it's not expecting to say, right where I'm standing at, God's going to be good. Where I'm standing at, I should already know He's good because I've already experienced something. Expectancy is about the future. Expectancy is about the next moment. Expectancy looks beyond your natural circumstances or what you've already received from God and say, God, but I want more. I want greater things. I need to begin to live with this level of expectancy that there's more to this life than what I've already received, what I've already experienced. What did Dak do when he dropped back to throw that pass? He could not throw it where, he, where the wide receiver started at because it would have been intercepted. He cannot throw it 20 yards before where he ended. He had to throw it down the field to a point and lead the receiver to a place where he could receive something that would actually get them back into the game. I played basketball, and uh, one of my favorite things, I, I'm, I know I'm, I'm six foot four. In the world of basketball, six foot four is a guard, but when I went to, to at the time, Smithson Valley was 800 kids, so it was a smaller high school. Uh, so I was a tall man in, in high school basketball. And one of my favorite things was to do was to get a rebound, and then our guards would just run and just get the outlet pass and throw it down the, down the court. And it was always about knowing where they needed to be. Not too far so they would go out of bounds, not too near so that actually the defense could pick it up, but always leading them where they needed to get to the goal. 
See, I feel like the Lord is saying this, if you will live with a level of expectancy that my word has promises for you that will lead you to a place of breakthrough, that will lead you to a place of victory. What's interesting is, is we don't live towards victory, we live from victory. When you're living towards something as if you don't have it, you're always going to be striving. You're always going to be like, I'm without, I don't have what I need. I'm always living in this place. But when we understand the promises of God have already provided what you need in the moment, as well as where it's going to take you. It's a people of expectancy. We have to live with this confident expectation that God's leading me to a purpose. So when I read through the scripture, I'm going, this actually had a benefit to this people. This has a benefit to me now, but where's he wanting to take me? Just how much deeper into his love? Just how much deeper into his goodness? Just how much deeper of confident expectation of hope? That when I walk into work on Monday morning, people are going like, what is up with you? Because all of a sudden there's a difference. But we need to go beyond that. When you walk in on Monday morning, they should go, thank God you're here. Because they see something in you of a confident expectation of God's goodness showing up everywhere you show up. Think about this, Joshua. Everywhere you step foot is the territory I'm giving you. It's not about going backwards, is it? Everywhere I move forward, everywhere I step, it's a territory. What's God doing? He's leading me like a wide receiver to a place of promise so that I can actually distribute his goodness to everywhere I go. You should show up at work and people go, thank God, you're here. Now, good things are going to happen. Now, blessings are going to happen. Your employer should go, you're the best employee I have. Because every time you show up, our business is blessed. And they don't need to be a believer in Jesus. We want to get them there. But by you showing up, it's actually a demonstration of his goodness. When people were sick and we have these prayer requests and we're going on there and, and somebody says, well, I've got this diagnosis or can you pray for so-and-so? It doesn't need to be like, yeah, I'll just kind of throw something out there like this little Hail Mary prayer. Hopefully something happens. No, when we get on this prayer throw, it needs, yes, it's already been answered. Yes, I have an expectancy that in Jesus it's already been fulfilled. You have to know this. You have to be convinced of the goodness of God. You have to be convinced of the righteousness of God. It says this about the Holy Spirit. When he came, Jesus said, he would lead and convict the world of sin. What was it saying? Those who don't know me, he's going to convict them or convince them that they're separated from me. It wasn't about convicting them about behavior. It was actually about showing them you're separate from me. And separate from me, you can never actually have life. But it says then he will convict or convince his body, those who actually come to know him, who now have been reconciled, he'll convince you, convict you of his righteousness, of his goodness. How convinced are you? How much do you expect that when God gives you a promise, he will actually answer it today? Now, if you've been in this church any period of time, you know I actually live with a 400-year vision. I'm, I'm not just looking for what he's going to do today. I'm looking what he's going to do in my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-grandchildren in this city, in this region. But you don't get to that place unless you begin a place with expectancy. Your great-great-grandchildren will not inherit anything if you don't believe today for the goodness of God being poured out, the fullness. I mean, like the fullness of what Jesus paid for. Do you hear what I'm saying? The fullness of what Jesus paid for today. 
I live with this expectation that today, what did Abram do? Abram, you're in this land. You, your father doesn't know me. But I'm going to tell you to a place and bring you to a place where you can get to know me, and then through you, you'll have descendants that will outnumber the sands on the seashore. What did Abraham have? He did not have the land. He did not have the place. What he had was a promise. And now the Bible calls us, Jesus says, you're actually the children of Abraham. Because Abraham believed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So what was it? It's the currency of heaven. What's necessary for faith? Your agreement with God. I don't care what CNN says. I don't care what Fox says. I don't care what the House does or the Senate does or the presidency does, good or bad, whatever you think politics. I really don't care. All that I care about is what God has said and what he will do. Daniel served six kings. The very first one was Nebuchadnezzar, who actually uprooted his family. Threw some of his family in slavery, probably killed some of his family members. And yet, Daniel fell in love with Nebuchadnezzar. Because he had this expectancy that if God was going to use Nebuchadnezzar in this way, he had to come to know God fully who he was. And it was the love of Daniel that actually led Nebuchadnezzar after he came out of his crazy moment when he was in the field, out of his pride moment. He, he, he was uh, like a beast in the field for a number of years. But when he came out of it, he says, Ha! Ah, Daniel's God has now become my God. Expectancy. What are you expecting today? I just want to encourage you. I just have this thing burning in my heart because the Lord asked me this morning, what are you expecting, Jay? I said, I don't know that I can fully comprehend what you want to do. He goes, your comprehension was not my requirement. What do you expect me to do? It says in Ephesians, he will do infinitely more than you might ask, think, or imagine. All those things require your understanding. Expectancy does not require your understanding of how he's going to do it. It just requires the knowledge of an encounter that you've had with him that forever changed you. So I go back to the voice when I was 16 years old. I was, I was at my confirmation retreat as a Catholic. I was a good Catholic boy. I was an um, altar boy. I went through the whole nine yards. And I'm sitting in this classroom Without any expectation, I was bored, I was tired, I was falling asleep. So in order to be able to be the good boy, I was taking this booklet they had that had Scripture smattered throughout, and I was actually taking Scripture, slipping it to the back, and writing it without having a comprehension or even knowing what I was writing, when suddenly I heard a voice. Ask me why that dude's hanging behind the priest every single Sunday. Look around, I'm like, Brad, did, my buddy Brad, I said, did you hear that? And he's like, no. I'm like, I must be really tired. I must be really out of it. But there was something inside my heart in that voice. And I just remember asking in my heart, okay, why? 
And I heard that voice say, look down. And when I looked down, I was in the middle of writing a, a verse out of, a, of Romans where it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And it was in that encounter, in that moment, I realized that dude's not hanging behind the priest every single Sunday. He's not on a cross anymore. He's actually resurrected. Why are we hanging him on a cross and leaving him there? Because he didn't stay on the cross. And he didn't stay in a tomb. It changed everything. Now, that has nothing to do with Catholic theology. That just has to do with my understanding of where I was at in that moment of coming to a realization that this is much bigger than I understand. This is much bigger than I've expected. The Lord was calling me to a place of expectation that if I could actually raise my son from the grave, can I, what can I do in your life? Are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to go to a place? Are you willing to trust me in every way? I remember whenever we surrendered to full-time ministry is after the, the passing of our son, Andrew. And in this place, I remember the Lord saying, I gave you my son, will you trust me with yours? It's like, expectancy. What do I expect? Can God take care of him? He was far better off than I was at the moment because he was in heaven. He was asking this question. Will you trust me? Will you give up everything you've known on your ability to accomplish something and step into an encounter of expectancy that says, I will take care of you as I take care of your son. I sold my businesses Went to work as a janitor as a church so I could go back to school with the expectation that God was faithful and he could provide. The Lord asked me this morning, what do you expect from communion? Isaiah 55, 11 says this, it's the same with my word. I will send it, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Has the, word, has the Lord sent you a word today? Has He sent you a word before? Has He given you a promise? Has He called you by name? If you're born again, say, I am. So He's already given you a name. He's already given you a word it's like this. He sent it out and it's going to produce the fruit in your life if you come into agreement and if you expect it to. It's interesting. You can actually limit the ability of the Word to produce fruit in your life by your agreement and by your expectation. So it's time for the people of God to begin to expect more from God. Now I can feel the religious spirit in the room go, you want to run that by me again? I'm not saying that God owes me anything. I'm not saying I expect him to serve me. No, 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 no. I just have a full confidence that he is who he says he is. He's already given me promises. He's already given me marching orders. I actually have an expectation that he's going to uphold his end of the bargain. What about you? What are you believing about God? What are you expecting about God? What are you hoping for in and from God? What is real hope? How does it interact with your faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. If you can't see it, you can't necessarily understand it. 
But can you understand his goodness? Can you experience his goodness? Can you give it away? Hope, the confident expectation of God's goodness. My hope is built on the evidence of his character, which never fails. God is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Real hope is never built on life circumstances, experiences, emotions, or the opinions of others. It's only built on God's character. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 says this, This is what the Lord says. Let me hear you say, this is what the Lord says. This is important for us to understand. This is not the opinion of man. This is God himself giving you an expectation. This is God's expectation that as you go on this journey with him, expecting you're actually going to catch something. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert, no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Verse 7, but listen to this. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. Have you made the Lord your hope and your confidence? Have you made what Jesus accomplished on the cross your hope and your confidence? Look what it says. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered. Let me hear you say not bothered. They're not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of, months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruits. Why? Because of their confidence, their expectation, and God's ability to fulfill his word in and through your life. He is the living word. You were made in his image. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the firstborn among new creation. You're called into a relationship with him. This means you have the living word inside of you. Yes, this word is living. But if it doesn't live inside of you, it's actually a dead word. But it's meant to produce fruit. Jeremiah 17, 14. Oh Lord, if you heal me, I will be truly healed. If you save me, I will be truly saved. My praises are for you alone. What was, what was Jeremiah's expectancy in who God was? Sometimes when we read the, the, the uh, book of Jeremiah, and he lived in a kind of depressing moment and situation in time. This is when Israel is turning their backs to God. They're turning away from him. He's trying to say, guys, wake up, wake up. Our God is good. And they keep turning away. And so Jeremiah is in this place like, this really stinks right now in this time. But what did Jeremiah do? He continued to build himself up in the Lord. It doesn't really matter what Israel does. I'm going to trust in the Lord. If you save me, you save me. If you heal me, you really heal me. There's this confident expectation of God's goodness that was carried out through Jesus later on. So what about you? Have you ever received a promise from God and saw it fulfilled? Have you ever received a promise from God and saw it not fulfilled? I've got some promises that are still hanging there. I've got some big promises and have not yet been carried out. And the Lord showed me, you know what those promises are? They're in the air right now. Just keep running. They're in the air. They're in the air. Would you just run to the spot he told you to go? I was thinking about this play years ago. Again, sports analogies abound. 
Um, it was Boise State playing Oklahoma in one of the big bowls. And o- Boise State is down. They're, they're going down. They're down to the last play. They're somewhere on the 20-yard line. And they, they run this hook and ladder play where they basically throw it to a wide receiver. He's going to be tackled. All of a sudden, he throws the ball back to another receiver and goes, ends around and goes into the end zone. And the Lord says, what if you were supposed to run to a spot, catch my promises, and realize you're not in the end zone yet, but the play's not over yet? Who's following you? Who's your sons and your daughters? Who have you been discipling? Who have you been encouraging? Toss them the ball so they can go into the end zone. So often we get to this place and we become disappointed. We said, I caught the ball, but there's the end zone, and the clock's running out, and I'm about to pass this earth, and I didn't see the fulfillment of all the promises of God. Man, I become disappointed in God. And God's like, it was never about your ability to get to the end zone in the first place. It was about you to run your race. So when you ran your race, you could actually help somebody else finish their race. That's where we're at. Do you understand right now? We're in a season and time. Regardless if Jesus comes back tonight or 100 years from now, I'm just telling you right now, we're in a season of time that people have longed, hoped for. They've lived with expectancy for. Their first and second great awakenings had this expectation that they were living in the time that we're living in right now. Azusa Street, they lived in this expectation that they were living in a time that we're living in now. Peter, James, and John lived with this expectancy that they were living in the time that we find ourselves living in today. We're about to see promises fulfilled that have been long in the air. Worldwide awakening, worldwide transformation, worldwide harvest. That's the day and age we live in. I had somebody this past week go, what if you're wrong? I said, if I'm wrong, I'm going to catch the ball and I'm going to throw it to my kids because they will see it fulfilled. I'm not disappointed in God. I have an expectancy in God. I have an expectancy that His goodness is going to show up today. There's some areas where I've prayed for healing have not yet been healed. I have an expectancy that He's going to heal. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. What about you? This is the expectancy that we live in. So I want you to go ahead and grab your communion cups. kind of an interesting thought. What happens when somebody fumbles the football? Pick it up and keep running. What happens when the enemy fumbles his plan against you? Pick it up and run the other way. Luke 22, 19 through 20 says this, and when Jesus had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup which is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. There's power of expectancy in communion. So my question for you is, how are you approaching communion when you take it? Kelly and I were talking about, because my wife is a, is a counselor, and sometimes you get a, a couple that's gone to a place in their marriage where it's like, either God does a miracle or we're getting divorced. It's blowing up. I mean, what is it? And you send people, we've sent people to these marriage intensives, and the question they ask before they come to the marriage intensive is this, if God were to do a miracle, would you receive it? I thought about that this morning when it comes into communion. What's my expectation of this? If God were to do a miracle in your life today, are you in position to receive it? Through your agreement, through your beliefs, through your expectancy. If God were to do infinitely more than you could ask, think, or imagine in communion today, would you be willing to receive it? That's how we prepare our hearts. That's how we prepare our minds. That's how we prepare ourselves to step into the full experience of what Jesus paid for. When He hung on the cross, He says, It is finished. He left nothing on the field. There was nothing else to be accomplished. He fully paid for your salvation. John chapter 6 says this, Jesus said to them, I the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. But I have said that if you see me and yet do not believe, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. 1 John chapter 5 says this, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever, does the, whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, but the, with the water and with the blood. It's okay, peace. So we can't be afraid of family, right? It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For these are the three that testify. The Spirit and the water and the blood, the three in agreement. Let me hear you say agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that He has testified concerning His Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. I'm going to read that again. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. 
The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. Expectancy. This is eternal life. The beautiful thing about eternal life is it begins now. We have this misnomer that says when I came into eternal life, I had to wait till I lived this mortal life in order for eternal life to begin. No, the moment you became born again, heaven invaded earth and eternity began for you. You have eternity. The one of eternity living inside of you. So here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes. I want you to position your hearts. Are you born again? I just want to give the invitation to anyone in the room. You've never been born again. You heard that verse says, if you don't believe in the Son of God, you actually don't have life. It's an invitation to life. Romans says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The expectant life in Jesus begins with the confession of faith and his born-again experience. So if that's you or you're wanting to come back for the first time, examine your heart. Do you believe that Jesus was actually raised from the dead for you? The answer is yes. Confess Him as your Lord right now. And together we just say, Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, we come with this expectancy this morning. Because we have eternal life, And in eternity, there's no illness or disease. We take communion this morning with the expectation of healing for our bodies. Jesus, we also understand in eternity, there are no tears or sorrow because our joy is made complete. So we just take communion this morning with this expectation that every area of our heart that is broken or in sorrow, we receive your comfort and we receive your wholeness now. Jesus, we believe that in eternity, there's no one caught up in addiction. There's no one that's caught underneath a demonic spirit because in heaven all are set free. So in this moment, we take communion in any area of our life that's been underneath assault by the kingdom of darkness. 
We believe we are becoming fully free of the power of your blood. It's right now where you're at. What's the request of your heart on God? Was an area of expectancy that you were afraid to actually expect. But all of a sudden this morning, this expectancy, this faith began to stir inside of your heart that says, if you ask for anything, He'll hear you and He'll grant it to you. So whatever that is for you this morning, just take a moment and say, I trust you, God. I believe you, God. I expect that you will fulfill every promise you've made to me. It will not return to you void. It will produce fruit in my life and the lives around me. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your sweet presence. We invite your presence to come and even more fully into this moment. As we take your body, Jesus, declaring that by your stripes we are healed. You've already paid every price for our healing and breakthrough. And we celebrate your faithfulness. We take your blood knowing that your blood has cleansed us from everything that is not of you. If it's not found in heaven, it will not be found in my life. So we declare that we will walk in total well-being. We declare that we are healed and whole in our body, our soul, and our spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Let's take communion together. Why don't you go and stand up with me after you're done and we're going to pray. We have a saying in this house. We stole it from somebody else, but I think it's good. We inspect what we expect. The next part of expectancy is be on the lookout. If you expected healing, check your body. Look for it. Look for it to manifest. If you're expecting financial breakthrough, look for it. Expect financial breakthrough every year of your life. So let's just pray right now. Father, we just thank you as a family that we get to celebrate you today. And I ask, Lord, that every single thing you were releasing in the room carry us into the new year for the greater things. And we just declare this right now in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So from my family to yours, we just say Merry Christmas. Love you guys very, very much. Uh, enjoy this beautiful Christmas day. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.